All right, well, good morning. Hope you're doing well this morning. I just heard from Pastor. He said that three people were saved in their service this morning, so praise the Lord for that. If you've got your Bibles there, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. We're going to spend a bit of time this morning moving back and forth, but we'll keep coming back to Philippians 4. So if you put a bookmark there, we're going to move around a little bit. I appreciate the uh, team setting up this backdrop for me. I'm not sure they got the same memo as me. I have not found any dinosaurs in Philippians. I fear that I may be one of the dinosaurs up here. Hey, you weren't meant to laugh at that part. We predominantly think of Paul as a great missionary, a great distributor of the gospel. We think of him as a determined man, certainly a a brave man. Maybe we'd think back to who he was before salvation and we would say that now he's a changed man. We don't often think about him as being a broken man. We don't often think about him as being a desperate man, a learning man, a dependent If we look at our modern society, where we are now within the timeline of history, dependence like we see or we will see that Paul had, it's scoffed at now. It's looked down upon. The world tells us to chase after and to grab hold of what you want. If you're not willing to to strive for, to drive for, to to chase after it, you're going to lose out because no one is going to give you a leg up. If you want to enjoy this life, don't expect anyone else to help you. The world teaches that if you are dependent on someone else, on anyone else, you're a fool. As believers, we must think differently. And as we'll see this morning, as believers, we can think differently. Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, Father, again, we come before you, a holy God. Father, this morning, I pray that we would have tender hearts. And the Father, as your word goes forth, and Father, it would impact us. And Father, we would desire to change that aspect in our life that we've been hiding, maybe we've been protecting, maybe we've been wrapping it up. And Father, I pray that we would allow you to speak into our lives. Father, this morning I pray that you would give me a boldness, that you would give me wisdom, and that, Father, you would be seen through your message. In your name, amen. I hope you have your Bible there this morning. We're going to spend a bit of time, as I said, in Philippians. We're going to move through Romans a bit. We're going to jump into 2 Corinthians a bit. And can I encourage you, Pastor mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, 
bring your Bible to church, and that might sound like a captain state the obvious statement. But I think we're starting to move away from carrying a Bible and we're starting to move to devices. And can I say that this is not a Bible? And I'm going to get off my hobby horse in just a minute here. Bring your Bible. And if you want to be an encouragement to pastor, and pastor's not here now, so I have a bit of freedom to speak. If you want to be an encouragement to pastor, take notes. There's nothing more encouraging to a pastor, to the man who's preaching, than watching you as you listen and you take notes. So can I encourage you this morning, take notes. Spend time in your Bible. Look at what we're talking about and allow it to impact your heart. If you're not there already, go ahead and turn to Philippians chapter 4. We're going to start off in verse 10. We're going to dig in here a little bit, and then we'll draw out some points, but let's read this text together again. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, it says, But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned... In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We've heard the verses time and time again. I'm sure if you've been in church for very long, uh, this verse has come up many times in many sermons. But I want you to listen to a, a few of the key words that Paul uses in this passage. He says, I have learned. I know how. I am instructed. I can do. Let's dwell on these words for a moment because as we talk about what Paul is driving at here, as we talk about contentment, as we talk about a dependence on Christ, it's important that we understand the start point. Paul uses the word learned in verse 9 and then again here in verse 11. In verse 9, he says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. The God of peace shall be with you. And then in verse 11, he says, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned. In whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. It's the same word but it has a different connotation, which is important for us to understand. In verse 9, it means to increase one's knowledge, to increase in knowledge. But then in verse 11, the same word means to learn by use and practice, to be in the habit of, to be accustomed to. There's a slight difference in the way that he uses the word from verse 9 to verse 11. In verse 9, there is this learning that is gained by watching and seeing, by exposure. 
but not necessarily experience. And as we come to verse 11, we see Paul talks about learning through experience. In one, you watched me do it, now apply it. In the other, you watched me do it, and you're doing it. And you're learning, and you're growing. Let me give you an example, and the guys are going to put up a photo here in a second. For the first 18 years of my life, my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea. And just to give you some context, this is a house that I grew up in in a village called Basorio, somewhere in the middle of Papua New Guinea. And as a young man, growing up in a missionary home, I listened to my parents as they talked about trusting the Lord to supply their needs. We would hear this regularly as they talked about it. It was part of our conversations. We were entirely dependent on God's grace through the churches and the families that provided for us. I remember on one occasion when we were sitting at the kitchen table and my dad said, this is all we've got. There's no more food in the cupboard, but let's pray and trust that God continues to provide for us. You know, we never went without a meal. God always provided for us. I learned by watching my parents' faith that God would provide. But I didn't experience it. I hadn't experienced it. I was watching it. It wasn't until a number of years later when I went to Bible school in the United States, I wasn't allowed to work. I didn't have a work permit. So I had to be completely dependent on God's grace to provide me with the tuition, to provide me with the different things that I needed for the years that I was in the United States. I learned that same lesson that my father had talked about by experience. I had to live it. You can't live off someone else's faith. You have to live it yourself. That's what Paul is talking about here in Philippians. A contentment that is learned through experience. A contentment that is learned over time by being involved in it. Keep a finger there in Philippians. We'll come back to it. But, but for a moment, I want you to come across to Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9, and let's look at where this learning started for Paul. Because we often think of Paul, again, as this great missionary, as this man who's going forth, who's a hard charger, but let's have a look at where he started because it can encourage us as we're at that starting point, some of us. Acts chapter 9, we'll start in verse 1. Acts chapter 9, verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, 
went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or, or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly there shined around my light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and he heard the voice say unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Verse 6, And he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me do? I want you to pay attention to the next part of this because this is where the lesson starts, the lesson in trust, the lesson in dependence, the lesson in contentment starts for Paul. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. From the very outset of Paul's ministry, there is a requirement for a dependence on God. From the very beginning of his ministry, there is a requirement for dependence on God. That's no different for us. Paul had to learn to be content with what God was doing in his life. Have a look at a couple of verses down, verse 15. It says, but the Lord send unto him, we're talking about Ananias here, the Lord send unto him, go thy way, for he, Saul, is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name unto the Gentiles and kings and children of Israel, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Paul's at the start point. In Philippians, we read and Paul's looking back, and this is the start point for Paul. This morning, the first point I want you to take down, contentment is possible. Contentment is possible, but it has to come from the right source. Contentment is possible, but it has to come from the right source. Paul's just been knocked off his donkey in front of his men. He's blind. The very foundation, the very fabric of everything that he has been anchored to for the years before that have just been destroyed. He's been shaken. And God says, just trust me. I'm going to leave you blind for a moment. And I'm going to reveal everything. But for right now, just trust me. I'm not going to unfold this for you. Just trust me. The start point for contentment is always Christ. The start point for contentment is always Christ. If you're not saved here this morning, if you're not in Christ, if you haven't become a Christian, 
you will never be content. Let me be blunt with you. If you are not saved, you will not be content. All the money in the world won't give you contentment. All the stuff that that money can buy won't give you contentment. Maybe you tell me, I don't care about the stuff. I don't care about the money. I'm a people person. I find joy in surrounding myself with people. I find joy in serving people. I find joy in making other people happy. I'm at my happiest when people are around me. That's what satisfies me. That's when I'm content. When I'm with my family. When my kids are close, when I can make sure that they're safe and they're provided for and their life is going in the direction that that whatever it is that they want to go, that's when I'm happy, that's when I'm safe. I'm not worried about the stuff. I don't care about the money. Maybe you'd say to me, "Uh, I'm not worried about the money and I'm not a people person. I just like to connect with nature and that's where where I find my, my happy place. That's where I find peace, is just getting away from it all, disconnecting from the complexity and the confusion that is created in our society. That's where I go to. (coughs) Again, can I be blunt with you this morning? You're not going to find contentment in those places. Yes, you may find momentary peace. You may find momentary happiness, but what happens when you can't buy what makes you happy? What happens when there are no people to surround yourself with? What happens when they move on with their lives, when you have a falling out, when your kids are all grown up and they've left the home? What happens when your friends that made you feel accepted no longer accept you? What happens when your social media profile stops growing? What happens when you can't get out into nature and connect with nature? When you're stuck in suburbia? When your neighbor is less than a meter away even though there's a wall between you? And you can't find that peace and that contentment that you're so used to striving for and driving for. What happens then? God created man. He created you to find satisfaction, to find joy, to find contentment in Him and Him alone. He provided you with an avenue to do that through Jesus Christ. Maybe you're a believer this morning. Maybe you are here, you're saved, and you'd say to me, I understand what you're saying, Phil. I completely understand what you're saying. When I get through uni, I'll have more time to commit to my relationship with God and then I'll be more content. Maybe I'll find the right person and I'll settle down and and once I've done that and I've established that nuclear family, 
then I'll have time to commit more time to God and then I'll be content. Maybe I'll get this next promotion, this next contract, this next big deal, and that will give me a little bit of breathing room. That'll give me a little bit of space in my life so that I can commit more time to getting to know God so that I can be more content. God doesn't need you to add anything. He doesn't need you to bring anything to provide you with contentment. Contentment starts now. Contentment starts where you are, and it requires discipline, and it requires a desire to learn. Believer, unbeliever, the start point for contentment is always Christ. Second point for you this morning, contentment is a result of learning, not just as a natural personality trait. Contentment is a result of learning, not just a natural personality trait. Have you ever met those or seen those kids that they just content? You know, you've seen those babies that they just sit there and they just observe the world in their chair and they just kind of watch everything happen around. They don't cry, they don't smile, they don't do anything. They don't eat, they just sit there and watch as everything around them goes on and we say, oh, how content they are. My children weren't like that. When Asher was a baby, and he's back there in the back, and I'm afraid he's going to mute me right now. But when Asher was a baby, he decided from the moment that he was born that he could rule the world. (laughs) And from the next moment after that, he decided to find out who is the boss, who's in charge, and how can I diminish their power so that I can take over the world. No one ever described him as a content baby. (laughs) Fortunately, Asher has grown up and he's managed to just cover those desires up a little. (laughs) He hasn't muted me yet, so... uh... Maybe you're one of those people that just can't sit still. You're not the content baby. You're one of the other opposite to that. You're one of those people that just can't sit still. And I've got to admit, I fall into this, uh, this group. And we tend to have excuses like, that's just not me. I'm never content. I've always got to be looking for the next project. I can't sit still. I'm looking for the next challenge, the next thing to do. I'm always striving and driving and looking for what's next. But being busy shouldn't be the goal in and of itself. Being content in Christ should. Paul, like us, had to learn to be content with what God was doing in his life. 
we look at Paul's life before and after he got knocked off the donkey, we see that his purpose, that he was a driven person. We see that he's a go-getter, and God stopped him dead in his tracks, and for three days he sat in his blindness, and all he could do was pray. The learning didn't stop there for Paul. Sometime later in 2 Corinthians 1, we see God teaching him again, or we see the lesson that he's been taught again. Go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. For we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despised even of life. But we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Have you ever thought about those words there? We were pressed out of measure. Pressed out of measure. Anybody here a metal worker? Steel worker? You ever watch those crazy shows on TV, and I don't know why we watch it, but where people make swords and they compete against each other, I don't know, like blacksmith type shows? They take a piece of steel and they hammer it and they heat it up and they smash that steel until it looks like something beautiful. They press it out of measure. And here's Paul saying, we were pressed out of measure, so much so that we thought we were going to die. There's three remarkable things in this short passage. One is the severity of the the suffering. He says, we despised even of life. Not despised, we despaired even of life. The second thing we see there is that there is a purpose or a design in that suffering. Have a look at what he says there, that we should trust not in ourselves, but in God. The third thing we see there from Paul is he didn't throw in the towel. He knew this was God's purpose, God's design to shape and to mold him. But he knew that more would come. That this wasn't going to be the final piece, but that there would be more shaping and more molding and more pressing. Have a look at the last part that says, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. That's future tense. We're going through this now, this pressing and this molding, and I can be content in what God is doing because I know that it's for my good and for His glory. But I know that also in the future, when more pressing, more molding happens, I can trust Him then too. I can be content that even in that, God has designed it for my growth and for His glory. Contentment is learned across the width of our lives. 
as each new challenge arises, as each new burden develops, and each new opportunity, we learn to exercise contentment. Come back to Philippians 4. Philippians 4, verse 12, he says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all good things, in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. It doesn't matter what position I am in, whether it's a good position, somewhere where I love what I'm doing. In fact, that's where I need to be most content in God because if I'm not, I'm being content in myself. But also I need to be content in the hard times that what God is doing now is God's sovereign plan for me. When you take away the quest for satisfaction, when you take away the search from, for contentment apart from Christ, you learn to have a completely childlike dependence on God's sovereign will, and you learn true contentment. Let's look at our last point, number three, this morning. Contentment with God is not dependent on our outward circumstances. Contentment with God is not dependent on our outward circumstances. We talked a little while ago about the things that we may be passionate about, the things that we seek to, to satisfy us here. We talked about the fact that those things are fleeting. They may last for a season. They may bring joy for a period of time. They may bring us happiness and satisfaction for a period of time. But like everything on earth, that'll change, that'll shift, that'll diminish. And my satisfaction and my contentment with that will fall away. But our satisfaction in God is not dependent on what's happening around us. Listen to what Paul says again. Go to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, and we'll start in verse 1 there. Again, these are verses that you would know, you would have read. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into His grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in the good times. Is that what it says there? But we glory in... What's that? Are you sure? We glory in tribulations. How do we glory in tribulation? How do, we, how do we find grace in tribulations? We glory in tribulation when you know that God is sovereign. 
that we can be content in the knowledge that he is doing this for our good and for his glory. Let's keep going. Also knowing that tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and experience hope. Not a hope based on my circumstances, not a hope based on my financial stability, not a hope based on my social media profile, not a hope based on my connection to nature, hope based in a right and consistent relationship with a holy God who loves me and desires for me to be conformed and molded and shaped into the image of His Son. Verse 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. When we learn to be dependent on God's sovereignty and when we are content in Him, toil for the gospel happens. Industry within the body happens. Creativity happens. Energy happens. Passion happens. The unleashing of God-aligned dreams happen. But most of all, Most of all, God is glorified. Let's look now at one more passage, and then we'll come back to Philippians. Look now at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll start at verse 5. Second Corinthians 4, verse 5, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who hath commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of of the power of God may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. Troubled, perplexed, persecuted, but content. In closing, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, Paul wrote Philippians after he had written Corinthians and Romans, so it's fitting that we go back to it. Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at the last your care for me hath flourished again. Wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity, not that I speak of want, in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, and I know how to abound 
Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is Paul speaking as he looks back on his life after he's been imprisoned, after he's been beaten, after he's been shipwrecked, after he's been lost at sea, his circumstances couldn't have been more desperate. And what does he say? I have learned. I've learned that in whatsoever state I'm in, therewith to be content. Have a look at verse 9. He says, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. Do. And the peace of God shall be with you. Paul laid it out for us. Now we need to live it. Friends, believers, God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in Him. God is most glorified when our passion is driven by Him. God is most glorified when we are wholly confident in Him. God is most glorified when we again and again and again are amazed by His grace. God is most glorified when we find our contentment in Him and Him alone. Let's pray together. Let's go ahead and stand and let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. Father, humbled that you would desire a relationship with us. Father, I'm humbled that you would provide me with the opportunity to grow, to be molded and to be shaped and to be developed into somebody that you can use more effectively. Father, I pray this morning that you would help me to be more content in you. This morning, maybe you've been searching, you've been trying to find peace, trying to find contentment, trying to find something, but you just can't put your finger on it. Can I tell you this morning, you will only find that at the cross. Can I invite you this morning to come and pray? Maybe we need to reset our goals. Maybe we need to reset the target of our affection, the target of our satisfaction Maybe we just need to come before a holy, living God and get a few things right. If you're here this morning and you're not sure where your eternity sits, you're not sure if you have a right relationship with Jesus, you'd say to me this morning, I want to know Jesus. I want to have that peace can I ask you to just put your hand up 
Nobody's looking around. We're not going to single you out. But I want you to have an opportunity to have the same peace that I have, that we have in a God that loves us. If you're not